yeah, we're recording. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Hello, all. My name is Josh Simons. I am coming to you uh, today during this little show of ours to introduce you to Three of Cups Story Hour. Three of Cups Story Hour will be a, a video series. We'll have an audio version of this for a podcast. But what we're doing here is we are three friends getting together and talking spirit, matters of spirit, if you will. We'll be having conversations. We'll be using divination tools like tarot, runes, oracle cards, things of that matter. And we'll also be having some fun in future episodes around sort of an advice column sort of setup. But we'll talk about that near the end. Today, what we're doing here is introducing myself, introducing Anna Shepard and my husband, Isaac Vars. The three of us will be getting together today talking about stories. And that's what our focus will be on every single time we share an episode of this. We'll be talking about stories. That's one of the, the most universal aspects of the human experience. Every culture, every continent has stories. And these stories serve to guide us through our life, whether it's uh, a story around a, a moral aspect of our journey as humans or not. We all, the three of us here, have a story and everybody tuning into the session and any of these episodes would have their own story. So we're going to be exploring stories. We're going to be exploring divination tools like tarot. We're going to be exploring matters of spirit. We're going to be exploring conversations. We'll be laughing. We hope that anybody that tunes in and joins us gets something out of spending time with us. And we'll also be enjoying some tea. Everybody's yeah. gonna have some tea. And from time to time, we'll have guests. So this is going to be uh, a really interesting opportunity for everybody who participates in this to talk about their stories, help others with their stories, and just find some laughter and fun. That's what we're trying to do here. So <clears throat> what we'll do is we are going to begin with talking about our own story. So the three of us, myself, Anna, and Isaac, We'll be sharing a five, 10 minute version of our life in that amount of time. And then we're gonna have some fun. Prior to this episode, we all prepared questions for each other. The other person doesn't know what those questions are. So after Anna's story, I'll ask her a question. Isaac will ask her a question. After my story, Anna will ask me a question. Isaac will ask me a question and we don't know what those questions are. So we're gonna have to come up with the answer and the response in the moment. So thank you for joining us. This is Three of Cups Story Hour and I'm gonna turn it over to Anna. Hi there, my name's Anna Shepherd. I'm a tarot reader. I live in the UK in a beautiful part of the south of England called Dorset. I'm very fortunate to live in a very beautiful place. We live in the middle of an ancient woodland. We have two lakes here and our little old cottage is, I don't know how many hundreds of years old. Nobody actually knows how old our house is. Um, so I feel like I am the archetypal witch in the woods. Um, and I try to live up to that in the best way I possibly can. Um, I'm adopted. 
and my journey to my ancestors has been greatly facilitated through my contact with Josh, to whom I'm really grateful. Um, and my life as a spiritual person really began when I was very, very young. And it's been growing every day and in a more rich and full way ever since. So the tarot has been a huge part of that. I've been studying tarot since I was 18 um, and I'm now quite a lot older than that. Um, so I'm just very happy to be here and to be part of this fantastic team. Looking forward to seeing where it all goes. Awesome. I will, I'll jump in here, Anna, and I will ask you my question for you. And feel free to take as long as you need to, to answer that. I want to know if you've read a book that's changed your life. And if you have, if you have, what is it? And if you could share that with us all. Well, um, several, actually. And narrowing it down is going to be the hard thing. Um, initially, when I was very young, um, I read the Moomin books when I was tiny. Um, when I was about eight or nine and there was something really magical in those stories that really hooked me um, and there's a deep sense actually when I read them as an adult there's a deep sense of animism within those books um, and something about a, a relationship with nature that's that's just very present and I think that was the first book that really kind of changed my life if you like um, the, the one that I read most recently, which has had a profound effect on me, was Anne Cara Gwynn, written by Robin Artisan, um, because that acted as a kind of a lens or a focus um, for all the spiritual practices I had been, you know, involved with up to that point. Suddenly everything came into a sharp focus and kind of clarified and made sense in a really unifying way um, that just helped me kind of progress in a much more useful, I think I want to say, way. I feel like I'm more use now, um, hopefully to the world, <laughs> um, but to spirit as well. And I think, yeah, that's probably the, the most recent book that I've read that's really profoundly had an effect on me. Yeah. Cool. All right, so I'm gonna follow up. I'm gonna, I, know, I know Isaac has a question waiting for you. I want to follow up with something really quickly here, and I want to give you an opportunity to flush this out for us, because this this series of ours will be for people who have a lot of experience in matters of spirit and divination and tarot and what have you. And then for folks that have no idea what any of this stuff is about, when you were talking with your answer there, you, were talk, uh, you, you said the word animism. Do you want to give us a brief definition of what animism is? Okay. So animism is the general idea that everything contains spirit or an essence of spirit in the sense that we recognize one another as people and we understand that we are each individual souls embodied in a, as people on this earth. An, an animistic viewpoint is to recognize that sacred spirit within all things and specifically within all things in the natural world. Um, so you're looking at the world in a way that you have a a relational interaction with absolutely everything you encounter. So you go for a walk in the woods, you are meeting people in the form of trees, you're meeting, you're meeting spirit in the form of rocks, in the form of bodies of water. Um, and you can have a spiritual connection and, and relationship with those things. It's, it's really about relationship. 
born of spirit and that spiritual connection that ties us all together. That is a wonderful definition. I love that. I, <laughs> I would not have been able to, I would not have been able to say it better. So uh, I'll turn it over to Isaac. Isaac, what's your question for Anna? Great. Well, <laughs> I've been, I have two and I was trying to figure out if I should go for the easy <laughs> one. Or the one. Um, I think because Josh just put a lot on you there, I'll go for the easy one. Uh, or maybe it won't be easy. I, I've had a reading from you before, and I know that you use multiple decks during your reading, which is a really cool experience to watch. But if you had to pick a favorite deck, what would you That's pick? That's a horrible question. <laughs> a favorite deck. Okay. Um, that's a really hard question because there are new decks being brought out all the time. Mm -hmm. And you can connect with a new deck in a really, really, really important, really powerful way. I've recently just bought um, a deck that's, that's come out within the last few weeks and I'm finding it really profound and, and it, each deck speaks with a different voice. So to pick one is really, really hard. I think if I was pushed and I absolutely had to, then I'd go with the Rider Waite Smith deck, which is the classic tarot that you see. I'm gonna just show you what I mean here, holding up this deck right here. That is the Rider Waite Smith deck. Um, and I suppose that's the one that we most associate with traditional tarot. Um, but the, what I love about the Rider Waite Smith deck is that the images are narrative and they are universal. Um, they contain it, archetypes and themes from all sorts of pantheons, um, mystical traditions. They mix it all up together and put it in package in such a way that it's incredibly accessible in a really narrative way. So the cards naturally reveal their story. Um, so yeah, I think because that is such a classic, I'm going to have to go with that one. So your answer actually ties into my second question, which is really interesting. Uh, my second question, and I'm sorry to do this, but I'm, now I'm curious. If you could meet Pamela Coleman-Smith, who, for everybody who doesn't know, is the artist of the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, mm. what is one question that you'd ask her? Is there one particular part Ooh. of that deck that you've always looked at and thought, huh, why? Why'd you put that there? It's interesting. I, I don't know that I'd ask her about the image. Well, I'd like to know how much she was able to contribute fully. I suppose that would be my question is how much of a free reign did she actually have? We know that she produced these incredible images, but we also know that Arthur Waite, was, who was in the Golden Dawn with her at the time, was very much directing her rather like a conductor would direct an orchestra, you know? He sort of shaped what she came out with. Um, and I would, I would like to know what she would have really liked to, if, had she had a complete free reign, how she would have changed the images without his influence being there at all. And it'd be really intriguing to know what she came out with. I've, I've definitely heard stories about how he she and he actually kind of butt heads a little bit, I think, during the card creation well, she process. Was like, because... She was like this spiritual tap, which just got turned on full blast. And mm -hmm. Arthur Waite then had to sift what came out and sort of plucked, to try to direct her and channel her and shape her in the direction he wanted her to go. 
So I guess I'm interested in that source where she got those images from. I'd like to sit her down and really question her and ask her more mm. about, you know, what she actually saw rather than seeing the filtered images that we get in the Rider Waite Smith deck. I'd like to have, I'd like to talk to her with the filter off. That's a really good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Huh? No, it is. It is. It's. 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 It's really interesting too. As as Anna is talking about the tarot, one of the things that you know really dawned on me as she was just speaking about that is that you know as we're focusing on stories here, you know, tarot in and of itself is a story. Yeah. The, the, major, the major arcana is a story. The minor arcana we see stories unfold in in the the suits well, of the we... minor arcana. Exactly. We have the journey of the fool in the major arcana from the number zero to the number 22 when he ends up in the world and all of the archetypes that he meets along the, along that road. And then the minor arcana are our journey through life in the four different areas that we, we experience, whether it's emotional, intellectual, um, physical, or, the, or it matters of our, you know, our desires or our will or our passion. So, you know, these are the four areas that we meet and understand. And we go from the ace, that seed or spark, that initial moment that we encounter with each different suit, right the way through the whole thing to the 10. And then we've got the journey through the court cards as well, which is the family. So we have all these different areas of stories going on. And then the cards, when they're spread, tell another story, a personal story. You know, we have a window into somebody's world, into somebody's own story then. Yes, and Anna has sat with me for readings and provided me with some incredible insights, some very magical moments that have really helped me on my own spiritual progression. So I will take this moment to say that Anna is available uh, at Ditch Witch Tarot on YouTube, on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, what have you follow her on social media i have found that as she is she currently as of right now she is putting out different summaries of different cards and i really don't even know the rhyme or reason as to why she's going through this but i will tell you that as i pull tarot on a regular basis i have gone to her social media several times to see the interpretation of the the, the page of pentacles the the queen of wands the, the lover's card those types of cards Anna has a, a, a very keen insight when it comes to tarot and that's that's something difficult to find in the tarot world because there's so much noise going on so ditch witch tarot is where you can find Anna oh my gosh it's been so helpful especially for digging into court cards because court cards are the bane of my existence. I mean, they are so common. It's so common for people to find the court cards difficult, and uh, yeah, they're they're just they seem to be a block for a lot of people. Mm. And the point really of doing the daily card of the day and sitting there thinking, focusing, writing about that particular energy and trying to get it down in a really short, concise format. For me, it's a really great discipline that I'm enjoying. So if other people are getting stuff out of that, then that's great. Um, but yes, one of the reasons actually for doing it was to help people with the court cards specifically, mm -hmm. because I know they are a, a stumbling block for a lot of people. 
I mean, they're fine when you know, you're like, oh, this is clearly representing a person, you know, then you can kind of figure that out and that's fun. But when it's not a person, you're like, all right, well. What are you trying to say here? (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So I'm going to jump into my story and then we'll, we'll get to my questions and we'll jump right into Isaac's story, his questions, and then we have a little bit of fun after our stories. So uh, my story, you know, we'll start with the where of, of me. I was born and raised in the mountains of northern New Hampshire and Vermont, actually right on the border of the two states uh, in New England, where about where we're at right now about an hour south of the Canadian border. So it doesn't take us very long to get to Canada. So we're very far north. We're very mountainous. Both my parents' families were farmers. They were working class folks. Uh, Both my mom and my dad's family were were cattle farmers, horse farmers, vegetable farmers, what have you, uh, living with the land. I was born in a, a small town. And at the age of three, I knew I knew three things about myself. I knew that I was gay. You know, some people find out as they age. I knew from a very early, early time in my life. And because of the place that we lived and the time that we lived in, I also knew that I couldn't share that with anybody. So that's been a defining uh, part of my character, you know, and learning, learning to live with that fear coming out of the closet being being a gay man in the modern world is certainly easier now than it was 50 years ago, certainly. I knew that at the age of three that I loved scary stuff. I was the kid at like seven years old, eight years old, reading Stephen King. And my mom was a waitress. My dad was a construction worker. They didn't care. I was just out of, you know, my nose was stuck in a book. They didn't care. I wasn't causing any problems. I wasn't getting hurt. I was just reading. I loved vampires, werewolves, ghosts, zombies, and Anybody that went to middle school with me or elementary school, I was seriously the weird kid who wrote all of these fantastic stories. And, you know, I was just lost in fantasy and imagination and really spooky stuff, really loved it, was really pulled to it. And the other thing that I knew at a young age is that I love stories, you know, loved movies, loved shows, loved books. I loved, you know, what we come to know as an adult of the hero's journey, you know, somebody who is a protagonist and they have an antagonist of sorts, whether that's a situation, a person or a monster, and there's a journey to get past that, around it, through it, over it, what have you. Always loved that. So that's one of the motivations of our time here is to to hear people's stories. Uh, I, I lived in this area my whole life. Had a son in 2003 when I was 24. Uh, Three years later, uh, after, well, three years after he was born, when he was three years old, his mother and I uh, parted ways. And that's when I came out of the closet. A couple years after that, I met my husband, Isaac, and I was not a spiritual person at that time. Isaac was, and I'll let him talk about that. But I was certainly not a spiritual person. I've been to one church service in my life. I didn't have church or religion growing up. So when this stuff, this stuff started to happen to me, it kind of scared me. Now, uh, as of today, I am a professional psychic medium and I've sat with thousands of people communicating with the dead. And it's been the most exciting, most fulfilling 
opportunity that I've ever had. And I never would have saw myself in this role. But when this stuff happened to me, after getting past the initial fear of it, it's, it's exciting. And I, I, I see it as a sacred act to be able to connect people to their, to, to their loved ones, their ancestors, uh, their beloved dead on the other side in the spirit world. That's, you know, basically my story. Uh, I got into this work and found this path because uh, Isaac got me a DNA test for Christmas. And that DNA test, after I took it and received the results, intrigued me so much about what I saw there that I signed up for Ancestry.com and I started to build family trees. Connecting to my ancestors really is what kind of turned this all on for me, where I could all of a sudden sit across from somebody and tell them stuff about their lives and people that used to be in their lives that I shouldn't know, kind of just figuring it out as I go. I've never had a mentor, have not ever taken a class or anything like that, just doing my best with what is given to me by spirit. That is essentially my story. When I got into this work around my ancestors, I also found the runes uh, and it's spelled R-U-N-E-S, if you've never heard of them. They are symbols from Northern Europe, found all over Northern Europe. And according to the archeological record, you could consider them the very first alphabet of Northern Europe. And they're very much like an alphabet uh, in the way our modern English alphabet is and that you can write and spell with it. But <clears throat> they're also an alphabet like Hebrew letters or the hieroglyphics of Egypt and that each of the symbols represents a different idea or concept. When I first stumbled upon them, they felt like home to me. I felt a really deep connection. And interestingly enough, all of my ancestry, all of my Northern European stuff, really, really indicated that there was a connection there. So today I'll be using the runes. I am a student of tarot. I love tarot and love the people that have shared their knowledge with me around tarot. But today I'll pull a rune. Uh, there's 24 symbols. And I'll talk about what that means in relation to the question that we'll be going over. Um, but yeah, I'm just a guy that loves scary movies, that has an uncanny ability to talk to the dead, who loves his husband, and loves the business that we've created here in the mountains of New Hampshire. That's me. Fantastic, Josh. That was really beautiful. So my question to you is, what do you consider is the greatest gift that this new spiritual awareness, call it that, this awakening has given to you? Uh, experience, I think, would be the, the, the best gift uh, or, or my most prized gift out of this. Of course, when I, when I do this, when I, when, I, when I sit in this space with another person, it, it is an honor to show them that we continue on and there is another place we go to. I, again, I don't know the specifics about this place. I'm not sure if we could ever really know the specifics as humans, um, try as we might. But one of, the, one of the greatest sins that I've seen in our modern world is that we are raised uh, either in a very Christian uh, perspective uh, and on top of that, a very scientific perspective. Yes, we need science and, you know, we need, we need the foundation of reality, if you will. 
I was never an atheist. I was, I was spiritual, but I had no practice. I, I was pretty sure something else existed other than our physical world that we could see. But to get, to, to get proof, to get, to get knowledge and evidence and, and tangible experience that, yes, spirits of all sorts are out there that we carry on after the moment of death. And then not only to have that, which is really, how do I say, world shattering. You know, when, when these things happen to us, when we realize the, the paradigms that we grow up with, when they become shattered, it is something of a trauma. And some of us are better built for it than others that it's interesting that the, the greatest gift that I would see that experience also has an edge of trauma to it, that, that we find that those paradigms and those realities that we thought existed were not what we've been taught. And you can go into all sorts of reasons as to why we were taught these things, sure. But to be able to know, to be able to experience, to be able to see the wonders of spirit, and to be able to interact with that world as it interacts and overlaps with ours, I, I, I see that as one of the most sacred, most of the beautiful experiences of my life that I've ever, ever come to know. And, yeah. I, I, and, and to be able to bring that gift to others is, is like I said, I, I never wanted to do this in any way. I fell upon it in, in, a, in a weird, strange, magical way but I would never ever give it up. Even if I won the lottery and I won $10 million, I would still do what I do and help people find that connection. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's a really good question. All right, so <laughs> I have the pleasure of being able to ask you a question and kind of know what you're going to do for an answer. Uh, what was your first big psychic experience? My first big psychic experience. Okay. Uh, so Isaac, Isaac probably knows where I'm going to go with this. I, I'm, you know, Anna was talking about having these types of uh, experiences uh, from a young from a young age, and I know that uh, Isaac also has that that a similar story in the way that he found a connection to spirit as a young age. I didn't. I'm not one of those people that were like uh, five years old. I was talking to spirit or seeing spirits or anything like that. Um, my mom would tell me stories of when I was like three or four. I have no memories of this, just other than what my mom has told me. But my mom would tell me at like three or four, I would tell stories of uh, people on my shoulders talking to me. And I, I was, thought that was funny. You know, who the heck knows what was happening back then. Um, but my very first psychic experience, uh, I will I will talk about it because uh, it's kind of a little bit of it's frightening, if you will. Uh, I was 19 years old. I was living in an apartment <clears throat> right here in Littleton, New Hampshire, and just working. You know, didn't didn't have anything but like apartment and work, um, and kind of partying as the kids that age would do, 19ish. And I was hanging out with a group of kids. Uh, there was like five or six of them. And I, I got into tarot at that age. I got a tarot deck 
And in fact, it's the one that it's actually the one that I use regularly at home because I had stowed it away and then found it a couple of years ago. So the tarot deck that I normally use for myself is over 20 years old. So I, I had become very proficient with tarot. I was very drawn to it at that age. Nobody around me was using it. Nobody else around me cared about that sort of stuff, but I was, I was drawn to it. And I had gotten to the point where I could talk about the cards, you know, upright, upside down, all of that. And I was giving this fellow a reading and we were in my apartment. The lights were, the lights were lowered. I had a big pillar candle going. It was like a big round one. And it had like wicks. I think it had like three wicks. One of those ones with like three wicks in it or maybe a single wick. I can't really specifically remember. But I was sitting there giving him a reading. And I did the spread. I can't remember what the spread was. I think it's the very common one. Maybe it's, I don't know, I, I'm not sure. It was just one of the common long ones uh, that would have come with the book. And I remember laying the cards out and telling this fellow, I was like, do you really want to know what these cards say? Because the message wasn't, wasn't happy. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't good in any way. And I was like, do you really want to know what these cards say? And he's like, yeah, I do. I'm like, okay, you ask. The cards painted a very dire picture uh, around this fellow's life. Basically, it was saying that he really wasn't going to amount to much. He would struggle continuously. Uh, and sort of become the guy that would live in his mom's basement uh, for quite some time, you know, way up into his uh, adult years. And I was giving him this reading, lights were low, you know, he's sitting across from me, the candle's kind of over here, there's like three or four other people that are just kind of hanging out. And all of a sudden this candle, it's like, it was like a movie, you know, this candle the flame on the candle shot out of the, 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 the candle, like four feet out of the candle. Like, and then it went out. Like it just went, woof, it went out. And I still don't know what happened. You know, the, the apartment building that I was in was really old and really creepy. It used to be an old house. The walls were super thin between the apartments. Could have been a, a spirit or an entity there. It could have been... Um, could have been something with the reading. I don't know. I've never had anything that dramatic happen to me. And because it was that dramatic and scary, I stopped using tarot. I stopped, I stopped messing around with that stuff. I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with it. I was kind of scared. I don't know if I don't know if that happened to actually stop my development at that point. You know, we could go on about fate and destiny and all of those things but perhaps that happened to pull me off of that path until I was ready to be on it and and that's another thing you know this this mediumship thing that happened to me when I was about 37 I think that it was I think that it was supposed to happen at that age because I had the the fortitude or enough fortitude to handle that sort of world shattering experience so that was you know, that was what you could call my very first psychic experience because the cards, the cards did tell the truth. I saw this fellow, I don't know, maybe 15, 16, 17 years after that, uh, had fallen out of touch as people do, didn't see him for a really long time, then saw him and everything that the cards had said had come to pass.
they it, it, it had. It was very peculiar. That was the uh, answer that I was expecting. So I figured it was a good story. And this is the story hour. So I went for it. Awesome. Yeah, that is, that's one, one heck of a story. And in fact, when it happened to me, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any memory of it until I was at the farmer's market. Isaac and I met at the farmer's market. He was a vendor and I was a customer. And eventually uh, after we had come together, he and I would do the farmer's market together for, for quite a, quite a number of years, offering our wares and vegetables and fruits and what have you. And one of the people that was at this reading, her name was Katie. Uh, she, <laughs> I hadn't seen her for years, but saw her at the farmer's market. And the first thing that happened, or the first thing that she said to me was, do you remember what happened when you gave such and such a reading? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally, totally had forgot about it. And I don't know if I had, you know, blocked it out because it was kind of traumatic or just I forgot it because the way we forget memories, but it was, it was very, uh, it was one of those kind of earth shattering moments that the world is far more mysterious than we've ever been taught to believe. So that's, uh, that's who I am. Can't wait to get into the fun of this story hour. Isaac, what is your story? Oh, my story. <clears throat> so I was born in the state of Connecticut in the US. My parents moved up to Vermont, Vermont, New Hampshire. We back, bounced back and forth a little bit for a while until we moved into the farmhouse that Josh and I live in right now. It's a farmhouse. My grandfather bought it in the 60s as a hunting lodge and my parents slowly put it back together and then they moved on and I moved in. Not moved on in the bigger sense that are still with, they're still with us. Uh, they just don't live there anymore. Uh, so my journey with exploring spirituality probably started as a kid with my parents who were very, very religious. And I struggled with it a lot because I had a lot of experiences that didn't tie into the structure of, of their religious worldview. But at the same time, I saw a lot of really interesting things happening in their practice. I like to say that my first introduction to magical experience was absolutely in different church things because if you ever watch say a Pentecostal church really get into singing and dancing and doing the whole speaking in tongues thing that is absolutely a shamanic ecstatic experience this is finding connection to divinity in ecstasy and they probably wouldn't want to hear that <laughs> but that's exactly what it is we're wired to connect to the divine or the bigger world spirit, however, you know, however we're taught to, I guess. But I moved away from that, especially as I got older, some traumatic childhood stuff. The place that I really found solace was the woods, going out to the woods and talking to the trees and developing my now animistic practice. Uh, 
from there, I just kept on exploring, connecting to the woods, uh, exploring different spiritual modalities. Uh, eventually I got to college. I had a informal introduction to Reiki. I was taught how to do Reiki uh, then and I continued on with my education afterwards with that. I became an herbalist later on in life. Uh, I mean, I guess it was <laughs> many herbalists when I was a kid. I would always make these teas for my mom. I would study these herbs that I could find in books and I would make medicinal tea for whoever would drink it. And I'm sure that it tasted awful, but <laughs> it definitely was, it was good medicine. I didn't poison anybody as far as I know. So <laughs> it must have gone kind of well. Let's see. I've gone through a bunch of different spiritual practices trying to find my home. And I was struggling. I remember in college when I was struggling and I was out in the woods doing my thing. And I asked the universe, I guess, you know, where, where should I be looking? What should I be doing? And I actually had this auditory experience of hearing the word shaman which I wasn't really interested in the idea of shamanism at that time. It was something that I had a friend who talked about it a little bit and that was, that was it. It wasn't my, it wasn't in my, my roadhouse, uh, wheelhouse, roadhouse, interest range. Uh, so I've been following that for a while and recent, well, recently-ish for a few years, I studied with the shaman. I've worked with, an, I've, I've worked with a few different shamans. I worked with D2 Owls for five years, had some amazing experiences working and learning from her. I am presently doing a course in magical practice called Quaria. I've been doing that for about two years. And that's what's really thrown me into my tarot practice because that's part of the course. Besides that, I tried a bunch of other different uh, uh, divinatory practices, but this one's been really fun diving into it and exploring it. So that's my story. I guess now, you know, I, I live in, I live in Vermont. We have a shop in New Hampshire. Josh and I have a shop in New Hampshire and I sell all these cool magical things. And through the shop, I've been able to meet so many amazing people, people who make cool things and really learning a lot about different traditions. It's been this amazing experience and has really, really been fulfilling. So, and as I'd mentioned, I've worked with the shaman and I am, I've been uh, taught in a few different Reiki schools. So I do a little bit of healing work as well. But I am the only one out of the three of us that does not do professional readings. So <laughs> this will be yes. interesting. Professional readings, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we'll we'll see we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Everybody will have clear, wonderful, you know, responses, and I'll be like, yeah, I don't know. No, it won't be that bad. But this is going to be an interesting an interesting thing to dig into. So I'm excited. Awesome. And Isaac is also one of the most incredibly humble and modest folks that I know. And when he says that he does a little bit of healing work, he is uh, an amazing healer. And, I, you know, if he wasn't, I wouldn't say that. Uh, and I, I only say that because it's the truth, not because he's my husband. But he has 
he has walked me through some amazing energetic uh, clearings, just some really amazing healings. That's the best way to put it. And I'm, a, I'm, I'm legitimately a better person uh, because he's in my life and I'm very grateful for him. And also, wanted- I'd like... I'd like to just mention the um, the choir toning that that um, Isaac is doing. It's it's incredibly rigorous, you know. To, to to be doing that for two years is is quite something as well. So he, he says he doesn't know much about the tarot, but actually I disagree with him in completely um, because he certainly <laughs> must have been put through his paces if he's been two years down the line with that training. It is a long course, <laughs> but if, yeah. if you're not familiar with it. Uh, and you're listening or watching, it, it is meant to be, if you go through it quickly, I think it's a seven year thing and I'm not going through it quickly. <laughs> I'm still I'm still in the first of three sections. I, I'm approaching the middle of first of three sections. So yeah. uh, <laughs> it's, it, there, there is a lot to it. They're, they're not messing around with it, which is no, why I'm really doing is. Yeah. Mm. It, he, Isaac, again, is, is a very humble, person and modest maybe even to a fault uh anna i will i'll turn this over to you and your question for isaac all right I'm ready. well isaac i wanted to know that what do you feel is the most important thing an awareness of spirit can give us so to say to somebody, to say you were talking to somebody who didn't know, who had no awareness of what spirituality was, you know, and what would you tell them? What would you ta- say to them that what, what you feel is the most important thing that, that having that connection can give them? Self-knowledge or learning about yourself, which is a really weird thing to kind of turn it around, I guess, and make it ooh, all about oneself. But I think that as you grow in any kind of practice, you learn so much about yourself in interaction and relationship. You had mentioned when you were defining animism that it's all about relationship. And I think any strong magical practice, I know that there's a lot of stuff out there. It's all about to will and to know. I think it's about relationships. It really doesn't seem, I mean, personal discipline is important to get to a certain place. You change as you do this. This work changes you. And to learn how to interact with the unseen, to learn how to understand or interact with a bigger world that you're not going to fully understand because it's so much bigger than us. You learn so much about yourself in a lot of different ways. I think partly in a way of just self-preservation you 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 have to you're 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 being challenged by this work all this time you're you're getting into situations or running into energies that you may have not even thought existed until boom it's there in front of you and you're experiencing it and that challenges you and that challenges your conceptions of the world and your conceptions of yourself so I don't know if that's a good answer to make it, really I guess, about answer. ourselves, but no, it's a it really, really good answer. Yeah, but it, it is, it, it really does. You, you learn so much about yourself 
and you learn and and then hopefully <laughs> you you become better from it yeah yeah thank you all right so my question for isaac <laughs> i had asked anna about a book that had changed her life and if she could mm -hmm. recommend that book uh to folks who might be viewing this my question to you is do you have a movie that has changed your life and if so how so and could you recommend it to folks ah ah you know i don't know i have a really hard time thinking of maybe a favorite movie or one that <laughs> well let's, let's put it like this let's put it I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it to you like this uh, it doesn't have to be a movie you know I asked Anna about books because those are kind of you know literary stories do you have a do you have an audiovisual story you know a, a, a show even something that people can watch on you know the tube hmm. I think that a lot of podcasts have um, been life-changing if we're just going to go for audio in a way that I that's part of that connecting and listening to the way that different people think. I've really enjoyed podcasts like Glitch Bottle. There's been a lot of really interesting practitioners, occultists on there that there's just all these different ways of going about it. It's been really fascinating to listen to them and listen to how they're going about it. And it's actually people who are doing it instead of armchair uh, magicians who read a bunch of old books and like to write about the old books and put things in categories and things like that, but they've never actually practiced it or gone deeper into actually working intent, with intent with the world of the unseen. So there's that, uh, my gosh. You know, <laughs> all right, there's, I have, a, I have a really funny, interesting answer. So when I was a kid, I would, we, we, we lived in the middle of nowhere. It was more in the middle of nowhere in, in the 90s for sure. Uh, and I would wait up until about midnight to catch, to try to tune the crappy TV that I had in my room with the rabbit ear antennas to catch New Hampshire public television, to watch Doctor Who from the 70s. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and it's ridiculous, but I think no, it that- isn't. <laughs> I think brilliant. I think that he was such a formative, he was such a formative hero in my earlier years in the way that this incredibly slightly mad person who is in love with the universe and traveling and going around and, oh, something needs to be fixed, all right. And it, it, it was big and it was ridiculous and it was wonderfully quirky. And it was about somebody so so in love with, with the universe and with, with life that it, it really imprinted on me in a really, really deep, weird way so yeah there you go something with a really weird big scope uh, early early doctor who uh oh my gosh 
John Pertwee and Tom Baker. There we go. Perfect. They, they were <laughs> they were absolutely absolutely formative for me. So that's my answer. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So this this brings us to the end of our little story hour here, talking about ourselves. Divination will always be a focus of what we do here. You know, we'll have guests. We might have you know, different visual exercises, little videos that we share, us doing different things, what have you. We'll always bring divination into it because divination, whether it's tarot or runes or bones or tea leaves or pendulums or anything like that, that plays a, a part in every story, right? It, divination, tarot, and all of those things, we, we interface with them and we, we lean on them because we have a question. Even if the question is, Show me what I need to know. It makes us pause and take a look at our scenario, our life from a different, a, a different angle, whether it's, you know, of the perspective that we're interacting with the spirits behind these tools and allies, or if we're just receiving messages from archetypes. So divination will always be part of what we do here because the divinatory tool, the tarot, the runes, they become a character in the story they become a plot twist if you will and i love the idea of that so our next segment here is anna myself and isaac we're going to be doing a little bit of divination around a particular question and this is where it gets really interesting because we all have i believe anna and isaac will be using tarot i'll be using the runes and we're going to ask the same question we're going to pull a card or a rune, and we're going to interpret that message in relation to that question. I want to start with Anna, and I want to have Anna talk to us a little bit about the importance in asking a, a good question. When it comes to divination, if you have no familiarity with tarot, runes, bones, pendulums, anything like that, it's really important to know how to ask a good question so you get a clear and concise answer. So I'll, I'll turn it over to Anna. Hi. Question asking is really, really important. If you want to have a clear answer, like Josh was just saying, you need to formulate a clear question. And the best way of doing that really is just to be as simple as possible. Try to narrow things down, um, filter out anything that feels like it's just icing on the cake or, you know, you just need to get down to the core of what it is you really want to know and keep it simple. And that way you'll get a good, clear response. It's also worth pointing out that um, there's something called wise asking, which is about being not only clear about asking important questions and only really consulting the tarot when you have a need. Um, and it could be, you know, one has need for different reasons. You might wanna look at the tarot on a daily basis just for guidance, that's fine. But what I mean is if you have something really important that you feel very strongly about and you consult the tarot, you, you spread your cards, you get an answer, then that is your answer. What I, what I don't want to encourage is for people to keep asking the same question over and over and over again. We get that often, that urge to keep asking if we don't get the answer that we want or we expect. And I think that's the other key to asking a good question is to try to remove yourself emotionally from the outcome. 
because to go into asking a question with your mind fixed on what you want the outcome to be, then that will twist your reaction to the answer. And it means that it won't allow that answer to fully land. I think we have to respect what we're given. And I say to people to not come back to me as a reader um, within three months because I like them to have the message that they get from me and to fully allow it to land and to sit with them. Um, after all, it is a definition of some kind of madness um, to keep asking the same question and expecting a different answer. So I think that's the most important thing really regarding questions is clarity and respect for the outcome and not to be, to try to remove yourself from some kind of expectation in the process and just be open to what comes and to receive what comes again with an open heart um, and to let that sit it's all good stuff excellent thank you for that i will turn it right back to you you know with okay. this you you have a, a really good question for all of us i'm going to let you ask it out loud and then pull your card and give us the message Okay, so for our first, um, for our first question, actually, for our first session, I thought it'd be good just to keep it really general, um, because we haven't yet got a particular person asking us a particular question. So this is going out to the collective. So my question then is really simple. It's just basically, what can we, as the three of us, and also the wider community who's watching, who's tuning into this right now, expect in the coming months to energetically to to arise so just in a very general sense I'm going to pull one card for the theme of December so the energetic theme of December so what will we all be meeting in December as a collective that's the question and I've got on the table I've got the lovely card of path and home which is the four of wands and I love this card. And to me, this represents holiday. You know, we're entering into the holiday season after all. And this is the focal point of the family, the hearth fire that you can see in the middle of this card. That's um, that these two, the couple that are returning home, they're coming home to their hearth fire. And it's the place where they feel warm. It's the face, place that they feel loved. And this card talks about your wider, your, your intimate personal relationships with one another, but also within the family unit. We see the ones here, which represent our passions, our excitement, our, our joy, our bliss in life, um, being really landing in a really lovely, secure environment with that number four, giving it structure and shape. So to me, that does speak about home life, family life being really warm, enriched and, and celebratory. There's a real celebratory, I can't speak the word, celebratory nature of the Four of Wands. So I think if we're all looking forward to this December, I think it, this is about connection, you know, with our nearest and dearest and celebrating with them. So a great card for the holiday season. And also a great card for us as a community, I think, with each other and our wider, you know, our wider friends. I, I do love that card. And that card has shown itself to me quite often over the past couple of weeks. So I, I you know, I, I love it. It's, it speaks to a, a, like like you said, celebration and to a, to a level of triumph. 
Yeah, and it's that fire, of, uh, that fire just lands in that secure place, you know, that place of security and warmth as well. It's a great, it's, it just gives you that warm tingle. It's lovely. Awesome. All right, so I'm gonna, I'm going to dive in with that same question, that same query, if it is uh, appropriate to say, what is, what can we expect in the, the month of December uh, or what can we expect energetically in the month of December for us three and as a collective for anybody that's tuning in here? What can we expect December to bring us on an energetic level? So what I do is I have a bag of runes, right? There's 24 wooden chips in here. There's several different ways, you know, you can lay them out in spreads like tarot. Uh, you can actually just kind of shake them and then reach in and grab the one that you're called to. Today, I'm gonna to do something a little different. Uh, right here, I'm not sure how much you can see on the screen. I've got a, a white cloth in front of me and I was never taught this, this just kind of came to me. Uh, I have a copper ring here in the center. And when I do rune castings for folks, I will just cast them out onto this cloth and see what runes land face up. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask that question and then I'm going to shake the runes out, see how they fall, but I'm only going to go after the one rune that falls in the center like a bullseye. So the one that falls face up as close to the center is the one that I'll be looking at. So let me just give these uh, runes a shake here with that question in mind. Um, and it's interesting that uh, as I do this, uh, I get like a, I get like a, a, a giggly, um, a giggly energy, like a laughing energy. So whoever's sitting here with me, and uh, if you're not familiar with the runes, they're very much connected to uh, the spirit of Odin or Woden, the chief god from the Norse pantheon. So very well could be Odin, very well could be Loki. Loki's a trickster with the, that laughter. But whatever rune that's going to fall face up is going to be one that gives us a little bit of humor. So, all right. So, I didn't really have one land face up in the center. I had three kind of in a triangle. So, I'm, I'm just going to. Um, just gonna pick the one that I see there. Um, it's nearest the center, legitimately nearest the center. So the rune that I pulled, uh, as you can see, is uh, kind of looks like an N or an upside down U. This is the rune of Uruz, U-R-U-Z, uh, Uruz. This is the rune of uh, the Oroch. The Oroch is an extinct uh, wild oxen from, from the, the, the mountains and the, the, the plains of Europe. Uh, these aurochs were renowned for their strength and their virility, and in fact, couldn't be domesticated because they were really so wild. That rune stands for the health, the virility. Uh, interestingly, though, um, the, the, the horns were the ones that, you know, the, the Norse or the Vikings would drink out of, and it would be uh, a connection to how much uh, a man could drink. You know, they were uh, the, the people of Northern Europe, the Norse, if they were of the culture where they were drinking out of horns, we see uh, celebration in the Four of Wands. We see that same celebration 
in this rune because there is uh, the idea that the more a man could drink, the stronger he was. We see that all throughout the myths uh, of the Norse gods. We see that in stories of Thor and Odin. It also speaks to, uh, it also speaks to, um, the name escapes me, the very, the, the how do I say, the, the, the origin myth uh, or one of the origin myths of the Norse where uh, the name again escapes me, Amadula, I believe it was, was the cow that licked um, this great salt lick, if you will, and helped to bring the world into being. <laughs> and there's a connection there with uh, the ice portion of the ice and fire. So there's a connection to ice and the strength of ice there uh, in regards to that creation myth. But I see that being very much tied into uh, the celebratory nature of you know raising your horns. Um, this is in no way me advocating for the idea that the stronger a person is is connected to how much a person can drink. You know that's uh, that's not really a healthy way to go about life in our modern world. Um, but there is uh, an aspect of celebration there, and I do believe that the more we intentionally celebrate and the more we intentionally cultivate joy and togetherness in our life. The, healthy, the healthier we are. I do believe that our strength and vitality as individuals and as a community is seen in how we celebrate, both on the micro and on the macro. So a rune of strength, yes, a rune of celebration and health. So I'll turn that over to Isaac. All right. So I was going to start this off by Throwing out a thank you to my friend Lauren for making this wonderful tarot wrap she gave this to me maybe over a year ago, and it is serving me very well. And when I was moving the cards to do so, this was after I had already picked my card, I flipped the deck to move it, and guess what was on the bottom? <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> so for those of you who don't have the video, it's the Three of Cups which is the name of this show podcast, a card of celebration. And I thought that that was rather cheeky of the tarot cards and I really appreciated it. But the card that I pulled for December and I was thinking kind of big picture, not necessarily just us, was the Four of Cups. Also interesting that we have that progression. And the Four of Cups, when I look at it, I think it's a card of complacency. You're sitting with the three that you have, the guy that is sitting with him, arms crossed, kind of, uh, you know, not too excited, but wait, he has a fourth one coming behind him that he doesn't quite see. So it could be talking about the idea that we're getting complacent with how things are going. My mind right away goes to, I did a reading on whether New Hampshire is going to shut down non-necessary retail in December, just being a, a shop. And the reading, it was a little, <laughs> I'm still kind of sitting with it. It didn't give me a clear yes or no. It gave me a, the answer of, it probably should, but so 
which makes me think of complacency, being complacent with numbers rising. And maybe that's just my mind going back to that reading that I did before. That's really kind of coloring this card right here as an idea of being complacent with what's happening in a bigger picture, not necessarily <laughs> reacting appropriately. I don't know, but it, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, especially in light of what you two had pulled, having a card of celebration and connection and then Uru's, that, that health and vitality. So I'm kind of sitting with that right now and thinking that it might have something to do with just a larger sense of people uh, getting used to the weirdness of 2020 and really settling in for December and maybe holding off appropriate action a little bit because Christmas, Christmas time stuff, and that might be weighing on our mind a lot, affecting the way that we react. So that's what I got. Yeah. It's interesting um, that with, and I know that I know that Anna can, you know, kind of expand on this. But if 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 this, you know, if COVID nineteen kind of took us all, you know, swept the rug out from underneath us back in March of twenty twenty, this will be the first holiday that we have. In, in, co in the time of COVID, which means things will be different, right? Things, things are going to be different. We already see that with Thanksgiving and how people are encouraged not to travel or American Thanksgiving, that's this week. Um, with, with the holidays, it's really interesting that, you know, that person sitting under the tree looking at those three empty cups and being despondent or complacent about it could very well be the, um, how do I say, I'm, I'm, I'm upset that we can't have the holidays like they are, but they're not seeing the gift of life that they're given with that cup that comes out of the air. You know, yeah. like, yeah, I get it. You're kind of upset that things aren't the way they should be, but hey, you're living, here's that gift. <laughs> yeah. Right, and that's a very good way to look at it as well. Just that, yeah, I like that. Anna, what do you what do you think about the four of cups with Isaac? I, that's that's, that's not a, that's a not a necessarily fuzzy card or a warm and fuzzy card. Mm -hmm. No, it isn't. But I think it's it's really relevant that it's come up in a connection with the four of wands. They're both fours, after all, and they're both talking about stability and um, mm. structure. And one thing this period of our lives right now has done for all of us has thrown a lot of people's structure through to the to the four winds. You know, and we are in a time now of reconstructing a lot of us are learning how to build better lives build in new ways you know a lot of people have had stuff taken from them by covid whether it's family you know members in, in extreme cases or whether it's livelihoods or you know ways of life you know people have been dramatically altered let's not forget that um, and so the fours do talk about structure and, and rebuilding. And I think that, you know, we are being asked to be cautious about celebrating in this way. You know, our natural tendency is to want to get together with our nearest and dearest and, you know, travel and see people and do what we normally do. But I do think that Four of Cups is saying, yeah, OK, but there are other ways of doing that. 
You know, to me, I look at that four of cups and I'm thinking, okay, well, you might not be able to actually physically go and see somebody, but you can still give them a call. You know, that fourth, that fourth cup is like a little, uh, it, to me, it's like a message coming in. It's like something coming in through the airwaves, like an awareness of doing something in a different way that perhaps they hadn't quite worked out yet. It's like, yeah, okay, we might not be able to get together in a physical sense, but we can still do other things. And that's what that other fourth cup is saying. There's more, there's, there's stuff you can do towards connection. You just need to look at, flip your perspective away from, you know, how uh, your feelings of loss around expecting, expecting Christmas or your holidays to be a certain shape and, and maybe accept that, yeah, okay, they're not going to be, but I can still do, I can Zoom call someone, you know, or I can, I can, we can do, we can get together in different ways or in other ways. And I think that's that fourth cup coming in. It's like, these are the things you can still do. These are the opportunities you do still have. You know, focus your attention on those rather than on the sense of loss that things aren't necessarily kind of normal, which they most certainly are not. And I think um, Isaac's point about complacency is, is a really good, important one to hear. You know, we shouldn't be complacent at this time because all of this stuff could come roaring back up and, you know, set a bomb under us again. So we do need to be careful. We do need to look to our four walls and our safety. That's what the fours talk about. So, so yeah, there's that too. It's really interesting as you're talking about that, Anna, I was thinking about the four of wands, right? That four of wands cup. What I was, what I was taught about that cup, or maybe I just fell across this in any of the books that I've read about tarot is that in the four of wands, the people that are in the four of wands are the smallest people that you'll find in tarot which indicates distance. So if you look at the four of wands card, you know, it's like, hey, how are you? You know, they're holding up their, their, their bouquets of flowers, you know, they're celebrating, but they're celebrating far away. <laughs> There's a great distance between the person holding the card and the two figures in the four of wands. That's a really good point. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So celebrate, really but celebrate at, celebrate at a distance. Yeah, and, and be okay with that. Try and be okay with that. Try not to focus on the sadness around that. If you feel disappointed or upset or, you know, those things, then 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 try to flip your perspective and, and look at things in a new way. We're all being asked to look at life in a new way right now. We all are. It's the only way we're going to get through. You know, we have to change our perspectives and we have right. to stay safe. And in the yeah. rune of the rune of Uru's, you know, health and vitality in this time, what is what is of more importance to focus on? Not the gift giving, not the holidays where we get together and give grandma COVID, but health and vitality. What can we do now? What can we sacrifice now that helps us yeah. to have that health and vitality in the new year? Yeah, yeah, quite. Yeah, for long, t for long term health as well, for long term prosperity. And not yes. just about the immediate now, but what we, you know, what we set up now, what, what the structure that we put in place now is going to be the foundation for the next, well, the rest of the, the future. If we want to get over this, we want to cure it, we want to make it go away, we've all got to behave in a certain way. We do, yes. Okay, so that's that's our divination portion of the show. Uh, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up here. You know, this is already been an incredible amount of fun for me and i hope whoever's tuned in and watched this they get something out of this now moving forward this was our introductory episode if you will moving forward what we're going to do is we're going to start each of our episodes with an advice portion 
and it'll work like this. We will be accepting paragraphs, inquiries from folks. And these, these inquiries can be from an anonymous standpoint. You can include your name, you can include your first name or maybe your first and last name, however you want us to refer to you. And we'll receive these via our social media platforms that you'll have access to, as well as the email of three of cups story hour at gmail.com. It's three of cups story hour at gmail.com. We will accept questions. If you have some sort of challenge or obstacle in your life and you want some insight, send us, send us your questions, send us your challenges, your obstructions, things going on in your life. Many of those in the States would be familiar with kind of like the Dear Abby uh, format where somebody sends in like, hey, this is what's going on. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to move forward. Can you tell me, right? And we're going to do the same thing here. We really don't know how long or how many we'll do initially. Maybe we'll do three an episode. Maybe we'll do one an episode. But we'll take that situation, that challenge, that obstacle, and we will apply our collective skills on an individual basis. Anna will give a reading. I'll give a reading. Isaac will give a reading. And we'll bring many different tools to it. We'll also have... Uh, a format or, or a segment of each episode where we just try to talk about something ridiculous. So I will bring something to the episode where it'll be just a random topic that we'll have kind of like a collective idea of, you know, for example, UFOs, right? We'll just all of a sudden just want to talk about UFOs or maybe something in current events, what have you. We're going to just talk about it, maybe do some divination around it offer our opinions, have some fun, have some tea, have some laughter, and we're gonna have guests. So that's gonna be an exciting portion of this where if you have a divinatory practice and you wanna be a guest, let us know. This is not going to be a platform where, <clears throat> excuse me, where big, uh, big spiritual names are the only ones allowed on the show. If you have a deck of tarot cards and you feel like you wanna get in and have some fun with us, send us an email and let us know that's that's the point of this we want to have tea and hear all sorts of different stories with all sorts of different people and get their perspectives because our perspectives as much as we have come to trust them are not the only perspectives in this world that should be even considered so we're going to have our advice segment we're going to have our ridiculousness segment where we just kind of talk about and dish on silly topics and have fun and we're going to have guests along the way can't promise guests every week but we'll try to have them as often as we can make it work so that is the three of cups story hour before i sign off is there anything that anna and isaac would like to add just that i'm really looking forward to see you know how this how this how this goes it's really exciting i'm really really happy to be a part of it so thank you for that and um yeah i'm really excited i'm really really looking forward to those those good questions coming in because i want them i want them i want to answer them i want to help people that's why i'm here so yeah dig in with your questions yeah i am also excited i don't know have we even decided if we're doing this weekly bi-weekly well but it'll probably be it'll, it'll probably be bi-weekly to start Okay, great. Probably to start, you know. Who knows? Who knows? We could do three Perfect. a week, one week. I don't know. Time to get questions then. 
Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. All right. Perfect. So Anna, Isaac, thank you for today. This was a lot of fun. Anybody that was joining us for this episode, you'll find us on YouTube. That's where you'll be able to see the full episodes. Uh, and again, reach out to us, three of cups story hour at gmail.com. Talk to us on our Instagram and our Facebook pages, and we can't wait to hear your story. So thank you. Brilliant. We'll right. see you next time. Bye.